Hey, it's Allison. Thanks for listening. I have a super exciting announcement. I am hosting a free online event that you are invited to. One of the things that you've told me that you're grappling with is the shift of friends and people in your closer circles have changed. And especially after the pandemic. And I have created a framework to help you get realigned, reconnected, and also gracefully let go of some of those relationships that just no longer serve you. So join me on March 7th for the five simple strategies to build your personal advisory board, where you design your personal inner circle to be as high level as your professional one. Grab your spot now at allisonhair.com forward slash advisory. Hey, I'm Allison Hare, a former corporate executive, and I'm on a quest. I'm on a quest to help you and me create a little more space and freedom in our busy, busy lives. Welcome to the Late Learner Podcast, where here we break down old, tired paradigms, the ones that we have been taught to live in. But we discover more modern approaches here that just plain work better for you. So what are we late learning today? Well, it's more of an unlearning, actually. And the beauty industry has truly shaped our culture. It shaped our beauty standards. And in a lot of ways, it has shaped our own self-worth. Thanks, Kardashians. She's the least exciting to look at. Remember those St. Ives face scrubs back in high school where you would practically sandpaper your face off? And I remember the apricot scrub, like the smell was so good and they had those weird little beads in the gunk. And don't even get me started on the Stridex pads where you thought you could like wipe your zits off. (laughs) But over the years, obviously the trends and approaches, they've all changed. And we got really indoctrinated that you needed the five-step skincare process and you need the $150 caviar laced benefits of the luxury moisturizer that would automatically and magically rewind the clock for your youthful glow. What are the trends now that are useful and effective? What is the truth? And which ones are marketing gimmicks that are just feeding into the $104 billion skincare industry? So we're talking silicone patches, infrared masks, simplified skincare. What do you actually need? What does it look like to move away from the anti-aging rhetoric and move towards pro-aging? Today, we're taking a different approach and you are going to be so blown away. And we are debunking beauty myths and giving you the real on skin with Dr. Mary Alice Mina. Dr. Mary Alice Mina is a double board certified dermatological surgeon based out of Atlanta, and she's the host of the expert podcast, The Skin Real. Dr. Mary Alice Mina was chief resident at Harvard Medical School. She holds a Bachelor of Science from Vanderbilt School of Medicine. She completed her undergrad magna cum laude from University of Hartford. Y'all, she is so smart. This is only part of her education and her accolades, but I like to keep this show tight, right? Like there's more, but we're going to keep it moving. But before we get to our chat, let's get to the good stuff. What is stuff? It's the surprisingly true, useful, fun fact. 
In a study out of New York by one poll on behalf of Amlactin reveals that almost three out of every four women agree that their confidence hinges on how their skin looks. More than half acknowledge that their skin insecurities make them want to cover up their bodies. Isn't it interesting that while we are so concerned over stretch marks, over wrinkles, over dark circles, myself included, it really does impact our ability to show up as fully ourselves because somehow we feel like our worthiness is somehow wrapped in our image. And I wonder how many events and opportunities we've just skipped out on or opted out of because we didn't feel like we could show our faces confidently because they aren't what they used to look like. So let's dig into this today, shall we? Here is my chat with Dr. Mary Alice Mina. Big welcome to Dr. Mary Alice Mina. Welcome. I'm so glad to have you on. Oh, thanks so much for having me on, Allison. I've been really looking forward to chatting with you and your audience. Yeah, me too. Dr. Mary Alice looks exactly like Florence from Florence and the Machine. And But when I looked at you, I, and I'm sure this probably happens, but I looked really close. There are zero dark circles under your eyes. You are absolutely stunning, like just beautiful alabaster skin like that Nicole Kidman skin and you're a dermatologist right it's a job requirement <laughs> <laughs> we got to talking about the all the confusing messages that happen in the world of skincare and aesthetics and even just the standards of beauty and so i would love to talk to you Dr. Mina, about all the trends that are going on now. And one of the things that I loved about you is that you talked about being pro-aging. What is pro-aging? Well, thanks so much for that introduction. And I think my similarity with Florence ends at maybe just appearance since I cannot sing. But (laughs) I am in my approaching my mid-40s, and I've been thinking about pro-aging a lot more now, as are a lot of my friends and my patients, as we're starting to realize things are changing and aging is happening. And when I was younger, at least, I'll, I'll at least just speak for myself, I took it for granted, right? I wasn't really all that focused on my health. I was burning candles at both ends. And it was working for me because I didn't see any negative side effects. So I just kept moving along. And now that I am in my 40s, I am starting to see changes with aging. And as a dermatologist, I sort of know these things are coming. So I have a little bit of a heads up. But I'm finding a lot of my friends, family patients asking me, wait, what's going on? Or how do I fix this? Or is this true? Do I really need to buy this? It is so overwhelming out there. It's even overwhelming for me. So I really love just coming on podcasts. I love educating people on skincare and just factual skincare without the hype and helping people feel better about their skin and how they look and not trying to tell people you need to do this, this, and this, or make all these promises that aren't going to happen. 
It's got to be hard though, because when you're looking in the mirror and you're in your forties and all of a sudden you don't have the same elasticity that you used to have, there are lines that are creeping in, maybe the lines around the the lips and you're like, oh no. (laughs) And I think the standard that's put on us that getting older is, Jessica DeFino calls it beauty as a moral imperative. And what does it mean that if you have those lines. Dove does a great job, right? Like in aging and people of all sizes. But I also think that you're going against such a grain of the beauty standard of no wrinkles, no anything. Beauty is youth. And is that changing? Well, I I hope so. And I don't want to imply to people listening that I look in the mirror and I'm just immune to, hey, I'm maybe seeing some jowling or my skin seems a little crepier. I'm not immune to it. I don't think a lot of your listeners are. So I I wish I were. I know that there are plenty of people out there who who maybe are, like maybe Jessica DeFino. But it's it's human nature to look and see these changes. And sometimes it feels like they happened overnight. And to be a little Mm -hmm. discouraged or a little disappointed. And you are so right on about we we think of our success and we tie that so much to how we look and what we look like. And so when we start to see that going down, we feel like maybe we're not as worthy or we start feeling bad about ourselves. And the standards are so unrealistic. And it's also especially uh, skewed towards women, right? I don't think my husband worries at night about how he looks in the mirror. But for women, Mm -hmm. the standards are perfection. It has to be perfect. We're not really allowed to age. Even though we might say we want to age gracefully or naturally, we we feel like we can. And then if you are one of those people who truly does nothing, like uh, Justine Bateman, she got sort of uh, slammed on the internet for looking her age because she has not done little tweaks and stuff here and there. So uh, there's definitely this unrealistic standard. I do think it's changing. I'm hoping it's changing. And I really want to put it out there that you can still care about how you look. You can still want to look good. You can still do cosmetic procedures if you want. But to not hold yourself to this unreasonable expectation that you are going to be 50, 60, 70, and your skin is still going to look like you're 20. It's not. Mother Nature is going to win this battle all day, every day. But I would like, I would like to see more inclusion or, or less ageism, right? When we see these beautiful models, Christy Brinkley is a model for ZMN, which is a neuromodulator. And yes, you could say, okay, they've got a lady, I think maybe she's 60. They have a woman in her 60s in their ad campaign. Well, yes, but she also is a supermodel, right? So she's not like your your everyday 60-year-old necessarily. But I, I do think just like we're seeing body inclusivity, we're also seeing different, we're not seeing the standard sort of one size beauty standard. We're seeing different appreciations of beauty. I am hopeful that we can have a, a broader understanding of beauty and also that there is beauty in aging. I'm wondering too, when you have patients come in and you do a lot of surgical work as well, which for various reasons, 
Is there a part of this where you are coaching your patients on aging? Like when they look at them in the mirrors and they're frustrated and they're disappointed. And if something had happened where they require surgery, there's so much of a loss of value and identity that is kind of infused. And I, I don't know if it is a law, an actual loss, but the feeling of loss, the feeling of losing beauty or your looks. And, and me as being somebody who is 48 and thinking, oh my God, I better do something now before people find out what my age is and overlook me. Like, look, yeah. Pat, I will no longer have the same value. Do you find yourself coaching patients? Absolutely. And that's why I think it's really important to see someone who really understands skin and aesthetics, like a dermatologist, a facial plastic surgeon, or a plastic surgeon. Because again, I'm not just trying to sell you on something. Really, my goal is to help you have beautiful skin and healthy skin. Our skin is so much more than just our appearance. Our skin has so many functions in our body. And so just helping it function well is is first and foremost. But a lot of times my my coaching is just to help them understand what is going on with their skin, what the changes they're seeing, they're completely natural, they are normal, and then how to maybe mitigate those or prevent those. And if I see patients early enough in life, I am a huge proponent of teaching them about healthy skin habits to start today so that when they are older, they can maybe have less of those changes. You're never going to have none of them, right? But I would say the most important thing to, well, one of the most important things is just sun protection. I don't think people really grasp how critical that is. And it can be so cost effective. If you can sun protect the sooner the better, right? But even in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, you are going to see huge improvements. And I, I really can't, um, I, I can't understate that enough that that alone can make such a difference in your skin health. And uh, so I wish I, I do a lot of coaching on that too, because I see a lot of skin cancer. So just teaching people how to have a healthy skin routine and also the importance of sun protection and, and lifestyle too. We're seeing more and more the benefits of taking care of your body. And I say that beautiful, healthy skin starts from within. And that's not just a little uh, saying that I just throw around, but it's so true. If you don't take care of your body, what you put into your body, exercise, not smoking, cleaning your skin, protecting it from radiation from the sun. If you're not doing those things, no amount of product, no amount of surgical procedure or laser or device can undo all of that. I think it's kind of interesting too, and and not to throw these people under the bus, but like I started asking about plastic surgery on celebrities. And so some people look beautiful. Jennifer Lopez, Christy Brinkley, Brooke Shields. I don't think she even does plastic surgery. I think she's aging really, really beautifully. And then you have people like Meg Ryan that had her face rearranged. And somebody told me, you can tell me if this is a myth or not, that it was lifestyle. Like if they drank a lot, if they smoked a lot, like they would age poorly and the, the plastic surgery would, depending on the surgeon, but that skincare and all the things that you do really would had a negative impact on it where it required so much correction. Is that true? Yeah, I, 
I I don't know. I can't really speak to that, but there's certainly we look at these celebrities, right? They put themselves out there. They are celebrities. So we see them and you're so right on. There's some that look amazing. They look so natural. They really look like they haven't had anything done. And then there are others that just take it too far. And maybe they looked good at one point and then they just took it too far. So I, I don't, Madonna. I mean, I could, yeah. <laughs> It's probably multifactorial, to be honest. Uh, your genetics play a huge role in how you age. So we can't we can't change that, right? That is what it is. So genetics plays a big role. Lifestyle, and again, I don't know what kind of lifestyle each of them are, are leading, but the problem I see with a lot of aesthetics and cosmetic procedures, especially people who are in the public eye, they really aren't allowed to to age. We want them to look mm. the same for decades and forever. Uh, Tom yeah. Cruise, I mean, he's he's made it happen, right? He really does look the same. But in this attempt to always look perfect, they just take it too far. And I see this in patients. I even see this in my some of my dermatology colleagues. Sometimes you do these procedures so much that you look in the mirror, you don't even know who you see. You don't even recognize that person. And then you're trying to do procedures to fix the other procedure, to fix the other procedure. And it's this terrible uh, <laughs> hamster wheel, right? Where that you can't get off or they don't know how to get off. Or they have body dysmorphia where they truly look in the mirror and they they see these problems that really aren't there. And they just try to fix it and try to fix it. And and hopefully a, a good ethical dermatologist or plastic surgeon would say, this is enough. Um, I'm not going to keep doing these procedures on you. And uh, there are times when I'll, I won't treat someone because I know that they have sort of unrealistic expectations or what they're asking me to do is, is not appropriate. Um, so it, it's probably multifactorial, but yes, that that's the the issue with these cosmetic procedures, they can be addicting. People can get addicted to them and people lose the ability to see who they really are. One thing you mentioned twice is when you're going and going to a facial plastic surgeon, a dermatologist, you know, board certified dermatologist for these procedures, there's been a huge explosion of med spas or dentists that are giving Botox. Tell me your thoughts on that. Are, is it safe? Is it? Is there a way to regulate it? I think they definitely do need to be regulated. Really, anyone can, for these med spas, you just need to have a doctor sign their, their name over as the the owner, but they don't have to be there. And it could be an OBGYN. It could be someone who has no training in cosmetics and aesthetics. And there are tons of these weekend courses people go to, to learn how to do fillers hmm. and injections and things like that. So you, you have to be careful, buyer beware. If you are using a Groupon to get your Botox or filler, you're probably going to get a Groupon quality job. So you, and also I see people buying Botox on the internet or buying it um, other places. And you don't really know if what you're getting is really that product. So I would advise against that. I have seen, I, I actually, as a dermatologist, I see the complications because that's when they come to me, when they have a burn or an issue. Now, I, I don't want to say every 
esthetician, every med spa is bad. In fact, I refer patients to med spa, or to an esthetician in our area who is is very good. She knows her limits and she's also good about if she sees something concerning a dark spot that looks a little bit worrisome to her, she doesn't just laser it or zap it. She sends them to me to mm. get evaluated. So you can have a good relationship, uh, but I would just, I would do the research. If I'm going to have someone injecting something into my face or using a device, I want to know that they really are experts at that and that they haven't just gone and done a weekend course or or practicing on me. A lot of these procedures, it's like baking a cake or or doing makeup. I'm always amazed. I'll, I'll use the makeup analogy, how a really skilled makeup artist can do my makeup. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that looks so amazing. How did they do that? And then I try to emulate it. And I, I just, I can't, I don't get the blending right and, and the colors and all that. <laughs> we could be using the exact same products, but why in a makeup artist or professional's hands, why do they do such a better job? Well, it's because training expertise, they do this all day, every day. So I would be careful. I mean, it's your face. I see the complications. So I would just make sure whoever is treating you really does have the training and, and knowledge because these procedures aren't without harm. People can get necrosis where their their skin dies with filler. Um, they can get burns. They can get scars. So again, you're going in for a cosmetic procedure. You aren't looking to get a complication. So just be careful. When I think about doing your research, it's hard. There's Yelp, right? And there is, what is the app for plastic surgeon? Real, real what is it called? Yeah, the plastic real, surgery real app? Real self. Real self. Real self. Real self. Yeah. Yeah. And so there have been reports of removing bad reviews and kind of boosting up things that uh, that just weren't true. I've yeah. had botched plastic surgery. Surgery. I did so much research and I would have never known. I would not have chosen differently. I, I just wouldn't have and, and had done all of those things, but it's hard to know. Is there anything that yeah. can be helpful when we are doing reviews? Because when you have a friend who recommends it and has great results and you see all over the internet, they, they're award-winning, maybe they have commercials somewhere and that feels really good. It's, it's easy to convince yourself that that is the right person if you vibe with them. Yeah, no, it, it is. And there's so much, uh, there's science to this, but there's also so much art and every person is yeah. different. And so I, I would say, look up the person's credentials. Are they board certified? And you don't want it just to say they're board certified. You want them board certified in what they're doing. So are they board certified in facial plastic surgery? Are they board certified in dermatology? Are they board certified in plastic surgery. And um, I would want to see before and after pictures beyond just my friend who had a good result. I would want to see their before and afters. I would, I would see, I said credentials. You can read reviews, but again, I think those, sometimes you either just get the people really unhappy or <laughs> the good ones. But I, I would really just see, I ask them, how many of these do you perform? How often do you do this? Um, in, my, in my office, patients will say, well, you know, how many do you do a day? Or I'm like, I do thousands of skin cancers. I've done t over 10,000. I do, I do this all day, every day. This is what I do. I am sort of niched down into this area that, 
that I do. You don't want to come see me for psoriasis and eczema. That is not my that is not my expertise. So um, I think just looking at all of those factors, but also just knowing everyone is different. Just because your friend had an amazing result with this laser doesn't necessarily mean you are. It may not be the right choice for you. Maybe you have other issues instead of uh, what your friend had. So uh, there, there are a lot of things that come into play. But again, um, if you can find someone who is really well-trained, I think those risks are lower. That is so helpful, especially the board certification for that specialty. <laughs> hey, it's Allison. Thanks for listening. I have a super exciting announcement. I am hosting a free online event that you are invited to. One of the things that you've told me that you're grappling with is the shift of friends and people in your closer circles have changed. And especially after the pandemic, and I have created a framework to help you get realigned, reconnected, and also gracefully let go of some of those relationships that just no longer serve you. So join me on March 7th for the five simple strategies to build your personal advisory board, where you design your personal inner circle to be as high level as your professional one. Grab your spot now at allisonhair.com forward slash advisory. I think what would be fun is can we talk about some of the marketing gimmicks that are out there and do some myth busting? What do you see as like running rampant? And I am guilty of of succumbing to the Instagram ads and and signing up for frownies or whatever is going to like remove my droopy eyelids or lift them or, or whatever it is. What are some of the the trends that you see that are kind of a joke? Gosh, there there's so many out there and it it's hard and it's even I get sort of sucked in sometimes. I would say the biggest myth is just that you need all these products. I am when people ask me like what the do you five what step do I skincare, do? right? Yeah, five step skincare. Even, Where did that even come from? Yeah. Well, I see people doing they'll show all the products they use. And and I'm thinking, how do you travel? How do you go to the gym and have to bring all of these things and, and spend all this time go, using all these products? So I find people are way overdoing it with their products. And then they're not even giving them enough time to work. And I really like to pare it down and tell people to just keep it really, really simple. It can be as basic as a gentle cleanser, sunscreen, and moisturizer. If that's all you want to do, that is fine. I would say if for people like your listeners may want to bump it up just a little bit, you could do a vitamin C serum in the morning, a vitamin A cream at night. That's all I do for my skincare. That is that is it. And um, I'm not using all these other serums and, and, and things out there. Not to say that they're all bad and incorporating maybe a peptide or, or another kind of serum that could be helpful if you want, but it's not, it's not mandatory. It's not necessary. So just people are buying way too much and they're also spending a fortune on these products. I should calculate out how much I spend, but it is pennies. I really, I buy most of my, my products at the drugstore. They have really, really good, well-researched skincare products there. What are Um, some good brands? 
CeraVe, Cetaphil, Dove. I use Dove soap. I've been using it for decades now. Um, or the Dove cleansing beauty bar, the white, the white one. Yeah. I like La Roche-Posay. And I, I do like Elta sunscreen on my face just because I hate the feeling of a lot of stuff on my face. So it can be really, really simple. And it, it actually kind of breaks my heart when I see people spending hundreds of dollars really just for beautiful boxes and packaging for products that really are unnecessary. Now, if you have an expensive product you like, SkinCeuticals or Revision or these others, there's nothing wrong with it. But I don't want people to think you have to get that or you have to spin that to get beautiful skin. Well, I think the the point on this one is that your skin actually cleans itself, which is why if you use a toner, it's actually stripping the natural oils and then producing even more. Is that right? Yes. And well, and more so too, you just destroy your skin barrier. Your skin knows how to exfoliate. Your skin, if you just let it, it will do these things. So um, you don't need Hmm. to be aggressively exfoliating. Most people, my vitamin A cream is kind of like my helpful exfoliator. Um, Toners back in the day when we needed them for soap to help with the pH balance of our skin. Nowadays, it's um, they can just be really drying and, and unnecessary for most people, and it can damage your your skin barrier, and then your skin is red and itchy and raw and sensitive, and that's no good either. So again, everyone's skin is a little bit different. So if you have specific concerns, maybe you have acne, maybe you've got rosacea, maybe you have eczema, your, your skincare routine is going to be a little bit different. I'm just talking about sort of like run-of-the-mill skin, probably like you and I have. So I wonder about the marketing trends. Like you had done a podcast episode about silicone patches. Do they work? And it seems like you need to put silicone patches everywhere and keep them on holes all the time (laughs) to get the maximum benefit of it. Yeah. So uh, which which kind of defeats the purpose of it all. And so I wonder what are the myths aside from like 50 million products. What are some of the trends that you see going around? There's a lot about retinol. There's a lot about Accutane. I don't know if people still use Accutane as being the the panacea for acne prone skin. What is the truth here? Like, can you help debunk some of the, the marketing trends and allow us to be a little more intelligent with what we see or maybe question some of the the things that are actually marketing gimmicks versus something that could help us. Well, I would always say if something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. If a product is promising quick results and you look at the picture and it, it's it seems too good to be true that your skin is going to be clear in a week if you use this and all your wrinkles are going to be gone if you use these frownies, again, I, I would be scared. Uh, skeptic. I would be a skeptic about that. Um, If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Our skin is a living organ. It takes time to for changes to happen. And so things don't happen quickly, typically, especially with topical products. So um, I love retinols and retinoids. So I I think most dermatologists really tell what do they do? What is their purpose? So yeah, 
They do a lot of things. So it's a vitamin A cream. And I've also seen people talk about, well, just eat a lot of carrots and you'll get a lot of vitamin A and your skin will look uh, bronze, but that that's a different thing. But um, so these creams, we use them a lot in people with acne because it increases cell turnover and it also helps unclog pores, which is how and why people get acne. It can um, increase collagen production. So these product, the retinoids are amazing. I love them so much. I think it's a great product. Uh, a big bang for your butt because you just need this little tube and you just need a, a little pee amount a couple nights a week, a few times a week. And what I find is I used it when I was younger and I had acne. And then as my acne cleared, I have just continued on it for it's the anti-aging benefits. It helps with fine lines and wrinkles. It evens out pigmentation. So your skin is more even and uniform. So uh, I love this. I think it's a great product. And again, very cost effective. And it, it it's just the only thing I use right before I go to bed at night, and and I plan on using it sort of indefinitely. So that is something where the, the hype is real on that. Now, you could spend mm. a lot of money on over-the-counter ones. Uh, those are not as strong, but you can certainly start with that as your body gets used to it because it does cause irritation and dryness. You can slowly increase the strength and then... Um, ideally is is using a prescription strength if you can handle it. So that one that one is true that that one's not hype. Accutane, which is um, isotretinoin, is can be a miracle drug for people with really severe acne, that nodulocystic acne, lots of scarring. It uh, has a bad rap because you do have to um, there are very severe side effects if you become pregnant and you can't donate blood. Mm. Uh, so again, it's not for everyone, but for people with really severe acne, that is the only medicine we had. Now we have some lasers that are coming out that target your oil gland. And so we may not need to use um, isotretinoin like we, like we used to, but um, for people with really severe acne, this is a game changer. So that's also truth, not hype. Yeah. I was wondering about, do any creams help with dark circles under the eyes or lip plumpers? So, <laughs> oh, I have a funny story about a lip plumper. <laughs> when when I was, uh, gosh, maybe like 20 some years ago, I went to Sephora. I found a lip plumper. I put it on. It kind of burned and tingled a little bit. And I thought, oh, my lips look great. And then I uh -huh. used it the next day and I all of a sudden my lips became so swollen and huge. And so I was definitely having an <laughs> allergic reaction. And uh, just to prove it, I used it one more time to see if I'd get a rash. And sure enough, my lips blew up. So you have to be careful with those. I think there are better ways to plump your lips. I also think having your lips just hydrated with using, I use Aquaphor Petrolatum products. Um, again, when your lips are hydrated, they look fuller. And again, all skin looks better hydrated. And then you had asked me, what was your other question? Dark circles. Oh, dark circles. Cream for dark, dark circles. Yeah, yeah. So dark circles can be tricky. And I definitely, uh, people have been asking me to do a podcast on this. It really depends why you're getting the dark circles. And there are a couple of different reasons why. Some people truly just have um, some pigmentation there. And so a cream like 
the vitamin A cream, the retinol, retinoids, those can help. Uh, chemical peels can help if it is just pigmentation. But a lot of times I find the dark circles under the eyes are actually shadows because the skin under there and the fat has sort of hollowed out, or you'll get a little pooching out from the fat of the eyelid skin, and then you get hollowing right below it. So for that, those dark circles are really more shadows, and I find that filler is the best option for that to uh, remove that that shadow there. So uh, it's really multifactorial, but I would I would be cautious about using a cream thinking, oh my gosh, my my under eyes are going to be smooth. I'm not going to have that pooching of fat and I'm going to have no dark circles. Hmm. Oh, I spent so much money. I <laughs> just throw it right down the drain. I wonder about lip balm. <laughs> so everyone starts with chapstick, right? Everyone starts with chapstick and then chapstick doesn't work. You know, you're putting that barrier on. And I'm at the point where I use Dr. Lip. It's like full, it's like 100% lanolin and it still keeps my lips dry. Are there any really good lip balms? Because I feel like I'm getting more and more crazy and it's still, Dr. Lip is like the only thing that that helps. Yeah. Well, I I love just petrolatum. So things like Vaseline. Vaseline is pure petrolatum. It's what we use on babies who have uh, damaged skin barrier, really bad eczema. We sort of smear them with it. Uh, using that on mm-hmm. your lips is really all you need. Now, Aquaphor is petrolatum plus lanolin. Now, some people can't handle the lanolin and they actually have a sensitivity to the lanolin. So I would say if you're finding that it's not working for you or you're getting more dryness or irritation, you maybe have a sensitivity to the lanolin. So I have never met someone who's had an allergic reaction to petrolatum. It is just inert. It's so basic. And and again, we use it on newborn babies. So um, I would just say use a product like that, an ointment, very simple, no fragrances, nothing fancy. It's not sexy. It's not going to come in a pretty package. In, in fact, actually, you, I have my Aquaphor right here. There it is. You can throw it. In, <laughs> yeah, you can throw it in your purse. Um, but again, it, I people want sort of the, the pretty packaging or the pretty applicator. And, and when I just say, just mm-hmm. use Vaseline, that's really, or petrolatum. Uh, that's really all you need. This is so helpful. And I think it's also saving us a lot of money and time and energy on trying to figure out what what is what. I wonder, this this yeah. podcast is called Late Learner. I hope so. <laughs> uh, what, what have you learned lately that you were wrong about? Well, I was a skeptic on those LED light masks that you see people. Um, mm, yeah. Do you- know what I'm talking about. And in fact, I think a couple of years ago, maybe five or six years ago, a a company sent me one and basically my (laughs) business partner and I just put them on and we're running around the office, like (laughs) just making jokes (laughs) out of it. Like we look like Freddy Krueger or someone or whoever wears that hockey mask. (laughs) And um, I was a skeptic on them. I thought this is a waste of time and money and they're expensive. But now that they've been out a little bit longer, I do find that for some people, it can be helpful. Again, it is not a miracle product. It is not going to come close to what you could get with an in-office procedure or device. But 
if you've got a couple hundred bucks and you want to give it a try, uh, they there are some studies showing that it does work. So um, I do find they're kind of cumbersome. And and then also in my my research with the frownies, I don't at first I thought this is so bogus, but silicone patches I use them in scars and they do increase hydration. And so for someone who really is needle phobic, has no interest in ever getting a neuromodulator, if you want to sleep with those things on and you and you think it fills out your lines when you wake up, fine. You can use them. There's nothing wrong with it. They're not necessarily going to hurt you. I just don't necessarily want to sleep in all of that or or have to wear that light mask, you know, 10 minutes every day or, you know, all, all the time. So, um, but those are two things like that I was skeptical on. But again, there have been some some studies showing that they're, they are efficacious if someone wanted to do that and, and didn't want to do an in-office procedure. We are learning all kinds of stuff today. <laughs> um, Dr. Mina, how can people get in touch with you? You are the host of the, the Skin Real podcast, but tell us, how can we find out more about you? Yeah. So I host this podcast. I talk about things like we're talking about today at some Sometimes I have my colleagues on to talk about things. So it's a lot of fun and I hope it helps answer uh, questions people have about skincare, skin health, things like that. But uh, you can find it on wherever you listen to your podcast and it's called The Skin Reel. And I'm also at Dr. Mina Skin on social media. And then um, I'm he- I practice in Atlanta, Georgia at Bauckham and Mina Derm Surgery, which is at Bauckham Mina MD. So that's, those are all the places to find me. Amazing. Well, thank you for busting all those myths. It it saves us so much time and money and it helps us be a little more critical about some of the marketing gimmicks that are out there and caviar infused skincare and whatever else we're putting on our face. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me, Allison. It was a lot of fun. Big thanks to the amazing Dr. Mary Alice Mina. Definitely check out her podcast, The Skin Reel, and I've linked all her info in the show notes. Her Instagram, by the way, is hilarious and insightful too, but she is funny. As for you, be sure to join me for the free event on March 7th to learn the five simple strategies to build your personal advisory board, where you will organically design your personal inner circle to be as high level as your professional one. But don't worry, it's not going to include the boring old painful networking events. Go register now at allisonhair.com forward slash advisory. And if you are going through your own personal shifts, maybe you are considering a change in career. Maybe you want to start a side gig or start a business, or maybe you're looking to change the family dynamic. Maybe you are looking at getting a divorce. If you're looking for more one-on-one support as you consider lifestyle change, let's talk. I'm offering a free breakthrough call at allisonhair.com forward slash schedule. And as always, I've linked everything in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sharing this podcast and these ideas with your friends and in your circles. That's how you start a movement and change a culture. Until next episode, I'll see you on the socials. 